Keep your expectations low, and you'll never be disappointed. Hello, everyone. I am Captain Justin Command, and welcome back to our second Fred Talk. Uh, Mr. Bork, they haven't canceled us even after one week. Uh, we're still on the air, so I consider that a good thing. And uh, everything went well last week, and you have a much larger than expected social media following uh, because one photo of you behind a microphone, and I think uh, apparently the internet goes wild, at least what we've seen on our LinkedIn and Twitter feed. So our only piece of housekeeping for this week is uh, that last time, at one point in the episode, we referred to these as TED Talks. And so in an effort to avoid confusion with that organization, I want to make it extremely clear that these are very different, ladies and gentlemen. These are, in fact, Fred Talks. In either case, you can only succeed on the battlefields of tomorrow if you first learn about the battlefields of yesterday. So today, join us as we talk about the history of the Army's military occupational specialty, MOS 27 Delta, also known as a paralegal specialist. So, Mr. Bork, last week we talked about the metamorphosis of the JAG Corps, the transition from a military justice-based corps to one that was operationally engaged. Today, um, I understand that you're going to take us a little bit through the evolution of of the paralegal in the army, the 27 Delta. And, and even that term paralegal 27 Delta, um, even that term, our, our enlisted professionals haven't always been known as, as paralegals, as I understand it, sir. Uh, that's exactly right. And good morning to you, uh, Captain Command and everyone else. And let me give you a little tip right up front here on success in the JAG Corps, success in the army and success in life. Keep your expectations low, and you'll never be disappointed. I'm serious. Well, I'm not really serious. But anyway, that is my tip for you for today. But yes, back to what we're talking about. I do want to take about 10 minutes here and talk about the history of advanced individual training uh, and a little bit about the metamorphosis of the enlisted MOS that was once legal clerk and then legal specialist and now paralegal specialist. So let me start by going way back in history and reminding everyone that for many, many years, there wasn't really much in the way of education or training in the Army. Um, if you enlisted in the Union Army in the Civil War, there was no basic course that anyone attended. And even in branches like infantry, there was no infantry school until 1918. Um, artillery was a little bit different because artillery was a little bit more technical in being able to play shot and rounds downrange. I guess that's a good thing to have a little bit more education. On. Yes, there's more calculation. But my point is that almost everything was on the job. Uh, and even in the officer side of our house, we didn't have a JAG school until World War II. And so if you were a judge advocate in World War I, between the wars, sure, the JAG department, as it was then known, was a lot smaller, but everything was on the job. So 
in the 1960s and the 1970s, uh, and particularly in the post-Vietnam Army of the 1970s, the role of enlisted personnel in the JAG Corps underwent a truly radical uh, transformation. So what you have to uh, take away from this is until 1972, you could not enlist in the Army to be a legal clerk. And you couldn't enlist to be a legal clerk because we didn't have an AIT. You went to basic, uh, you went to AIT in another uh, branch, another MOS, and if you wanted to be a legal clerk, and it was MOS 71 Delta, if you wanted to be a legal clerk, you had to reclassify. And so usually what would happen is, an 11 Bravo, or a tanker, or a wheeled wheel mechanic, or something, maybe that person knew how to type. Uh, and that was a real premium in those days. And as soon as the first sergeant found out you know how to type, uh, you'd be in the orderly room. And maybe you were typing up Article 15s or chapters, and you realized that you really liked this legal stuff. So you said, well, how do I become a legal clerk? And in those days, you took a five-week self-paced course using a book, sort of like correspondence course back in the day. And then at the end of that five weeks, you took an exam. And if you passed, then you got the MOS 71 Delta. And the 71 series was an adjutant general series, uh, and it still is. And the reason that legal clerks were in that MOS is because Clerks in that era, before the age of the internet and the computer, it was all about paper and typing. And people said, well, what's the difference between a legal clerk and a regular clerk typist? One's typing legal stuff, and the other is typing other correspondence business paper. So at that time, the ability to dive into, I guess, true what we call paraprofessional work or paralegal work uh, wasn't necessarily developed yet at that time. It was more of a clerk role. It was really more of a clerk role, and the reason for that, Captain Command, is that we were just trying so many courts martial uh, in this era, and officers didn't know how to type, and if they did know how to type, they weren't going to admit it. Most non-commissioned officers did, know, did not know how to type, and so there was a real need for clerk typers, particularly if you're talking about, say, in the 1960s where you were trying 40,000, 50,000 courts martial a year. Um, so legal clerks were all about typing, 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 and paper. Um, but what really changed was that in 1969, the Military Justice Act of 1968 came into effect on the 1st of August, and judge advocates and the brand-new military judge and legal clerks now had to be full participants at special courts. So prior to 1 August 1969, legal clerks were only at general courts martial. You didn't have to have a legal clerk at a special court because there were no judge advocates involved. Uh, there were no uh, verbatim records of trial. Um, but all of a sudden, when the law changed and judge advocates and the new military judge were at special courts, all of a sudden we needed hundreds more legal clerks. 
The problem was that in the MOS reclassification system, the JAG Corps had no idea from one month to another how many soldiers were going to reclass. So maybe one month you'd get 20, but another month you'd get two. You can't manage your spaces and faces depending on these individual decisions. So I think as your historian, that's the major impetus for creating an AIT, because then we can manage our enlisted structure. And the other thing to remember is 1972, when we started the AIT, everyone sees that the end of the draft, the end of a draftee army is on the horizon. And whereas draftees had been an easy source for legal clerks, uh, particularly those who say had a high school diploma, um, we knew with the upcoming all-volunteer force that we could no longer do business as we've been doing. So AIT starts then in 1972 for legal clerks. And that's the first time that the JAG Corps takes ownership of, of the legal clerk and also develops, I imagine, some type of in-person training uh, above and beyond that correspondence course that existed before? That's exactly right. So um, we didn't have the space uh, or the facilities to run an AIT. And so we went to the adjutant general and said to him, how about if we do all our new AIT at your school, which at the time was located at... uh, Fort, uh, was that one down at Fort Jackson, sir? No, it was, it was just before Fort Jackson. It was first at Fort Ben Harrison, Indiana. So the AG had its uh, school at Fort Ben Harrison, Indiana, um, and that's where we started AIT. Um, the reason that it ended up at Fort Jackson, and as you just uh, said, is because in 1995, as a part of base realignment and closure, Fort Benjamin Harrison went away as an active duty post, and so the AG Corps moved its school to Fort Jackson, and that's why we were at Fort Jackson with our AIT until we moved to Fort Lee in 2013. And judge advocates and senior non-commissioned officers uh, in the JAG Corps, the sergeant major of the JAG Corps, everyone recognized that we didn't need clerks anymore. And once you have the rise of the machine, the personal computer, and everybody has to be a typist, um, there's a recognition that, well, we don't need clerks, but what do we need? We need paralegals. And so the metamorphosis then of AIT is moving away from being a legal clerk to today's training our young men and women when they come into the MOS and now the 27 MOS, because we've aligned the MOS with the JAG Corps MOS, um, we're teaching them, training them, educating them to be paralegal specialists, or at least they get the basics of AIT. The struggle is always going to be when that new specialist private is out in the field, uh, your judge advocate has to take the time to really educate, train that person to be a paralegal, which is a lot harder than you might think. Appreciate it, sir. Um, last question for you is, as, as we look to 
the future. I know it's all pure speculation, but uh, a couple ideas that have been thrown around have been the idea of specializing uh, in certain aspects of what paralegals do today. So whether or not we might see in the future uh, paralegals that solely go down a court reporting track, paralegals that solely go down an operational track, um, is that something you could see in the future? Well, I think having spent 25 years as a judge advocate, um, we've always, as a culture, said that we need to be generalists as lawyers in the Army. But I think we all know that as a practical matter, we end up sort of specializing through our careers because we like doing particular things. So I was a generalist. And if you want to be a staff judge advocate, you need to be a generalist. But my specialty was really criminal law. And I don't think there's any reason that the same thing couldn't happen in the paralegal field because we do need paralegals who, for example, could be specialists in litigation or environmental law or uh, labor law um, or administrative and civil law. And I think, sure, I think that's possible. And it does seem to me that although we always want paralegals to be generalists, that there's no reason there couldn't be some sort of specialty that would be helpful. Well, appreciate it, sir. Uh, AIT, Fort Lee, AIT is a place that's near and dear to my heart. So I appreciate you taking a second to talk us through the evolution of the paralegal. Uh, and I know those NCOs down at Fort Lee at the very least, appreciated transitioning from the trailers they were in when they first moved to Fort Lee to a full hard stand uh, paralegal specialist training center. So thank you. Episode two is in the books and sincerely appreciate you taking the time today, sir. You're welcome. See you for episode three. Awesome. Thanks, sir. Interested in providing material to the JAG Corps' Future Concepts Directorate? Reach out to us via Twitter at JAGFCD or LinkedIn or visit our website at tjaglix.army.mil forward slash FCD. That's tjaglcs.army.mil forward slash FCD. We are always on the lookout for the next guest, topic, discussion, or, yes, even the next Fred Talk. As always, the views expressed in this podcast are those of the respective participants and do not represent the official position of the U.S. Army or the United States government. You can only succeed on the battlefields of tomorrow if you first learn about the battlefields of yesterday. So thank you for joining us today. For the JAG Corps' Future Concepts Directorate, I am Captain Justin Command. We'll catch you on the next episode of Fred Talks.